On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'm previewing the Pacers' first-round series against the Heat with Tim Reynolds from Miami, and we'll also talk about his experience in the bubble. And then I'll be joined by Ron Shell of PointsBet. We'll discuss sports gaming and how it directly impacts Pacers fans. And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. I'm Scott Agnes, and it's an exciting time of year. It's weird because it's August, four months later than normal, but the playoffs are here. Um, and ultimately what the NBA has shown over this last month is how the bubble works, how even despite the delay in finishing off the season and getting to Orlando and the wide world of sports campus there in early July, the Pacers arrived on July 9th, will now come August 17th, on the first day of the playoffs, we've gone now more than four weeks without a positive test. So what the NBA has done has been terrific. The fact that they've been able to keep everyone healthy, players, staff, coaches, Disney cast members, as they're called down there, that's outstanding news. And they're going to be able to finish off the season here after a lot of skepticism going into this restart ultimately. And well, let's get it going here with the playoffs. For the Pacers, they had a solid seeding round, went 6-2 and two in the bubble during those key games and even overtook the Heat for that fourth spot. So they did climb up one and made up some ground on Miami while in the seeding round. Philly stayed in sixth, and so the Pacers will face the Heat in the 4-5 matchup in the first round of the playoffs. It's the fifth time the two teams have met in the postseason, the first time since 2014. And for the Pacers, that was the last time that they advanced past the first round. They didn't make the playoffs the following year when Paul George missed the majority of the season. They needed to win that final game. I'll never forget it in Memphis. They just barely lost, and even worse, Paul George suffered that calf injury. But T.J. Warren has been outstanding in the bubble. It has been great to see reserves like Edmund Sumner show off, to see guys like Justin Holiday and Doug McDermott shoot well for those final couple of games, gives them a chance to kind of see the shot go through several times and feel good about themselves going into the postseason. And there was also good news last week for Pacers head coach Nate McMillan. He got a contract extension. They added a year to his deal. So we now know Nate will be the coach of this Pacers team moving forward, and I think that was important. I think that was the right decision here, especially because of the uncertainty. First of all, I think he deserved it. He's led the team. To the postseason all four years. He's now moved into fourth all-time in wins in franchise history. He's a coach that the players really respect. In fact, here's TJ McConnell on Coach McMillan. Absolutely awesome. Um, deserving. And uh, we're all happy for him. Um, what we've accomplished this year is, is, pretty, is pretty great. And he is a really big reason why. For the franchise, this means more stability. It means some continuity. As currently constructed, Justin Holiday is the only pacer in the rotation that is not under contract for next season, the 2020-21 season, whenever that may start. It might be late December. It might be later. Um, at this point, with the current health concerns in our country, it seems as though it's going to have to happen in some kind of bubble atmosphere, whether it's one or maybe it's regional. We shall see. And I think that's another reason maybe you'll see more teams stand pat stay with their coach and see it through at least for another year because let's consider the pay some circumstances if they have the, had this player continuity but bring an entire new coaching staff 
who knows when they could work with them for the first time, right? Because these players will go home to wherever they spend their off seasons, and maybe they can't return, let's say, till early December. And you have to install a new offense, a new defense, um, his principles, and those sorts of things. I think that's a huge challenge that teams will have to take into consideration if they were wanting to make a change in the first place. I don't think the Pacers did, but it was interesting, I will say, that there was speculation from the outside that I was hearing in league circles starting about November, December, especially in Chicago while I was there for All-Star Weekend. But this kind of scraps that. This allows for the Pacers and those on the outside with many fans wanting to speculate. We know Nate McMillan's the guy at least for another season, and I think he and his staff has earned that. The Pacers will wear their gold statement uniforms for the first two games. Both are Technically home games, although home court advantage doesn't mean a whole lot. Here's what both Nate McMillan and TJ McConnell had to say about quote-unquote home court advantage. Well, I mean, it's, it's just a different situation. Um, you know, it's just no home court um, uh, in the sense of, you know, having your fan base sleeping in your bed. It's none of that. Non-existent. <laughs> I think, uh, honestly, it's the, the NBA has done an amazing job. Um, having us all down here and, 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 and what they've set up. But they, but, but for me in the playoffs, the, the fans are a huge part of the game. And um, although they're here virtually, you just can't make up for them um, not being here. So I, I really think, you know, the home court advantage at that point kind of is taken away from you. DJ Warren was obviously one of the spotlight players, the outstanding players in the seeding round. And, Get this, the NBA even created some awards while they were down there. I'm a bit surprised that they did that, a whole new set. But a player of the round, coach of the round, won by Damian Lillard and Phoenix's Monte Williams, respectively. Well, T.J. Warren was named to the first-team all-seeding rounder, more easily said, first-team all-bubble. That's what Justin Holiday posted on his Instagram after T.J. Warren went off the first several games. And so this will be a cool moment for him. He's getting a lot of spotlight. That's not necessarily him. He's a quiet guy, both within the locker room and outside. He's had to do way more media than he ever has before, so he's had some growth there. But this is the other thing to keep in mind as the Pacers begin the postseason Tuesday afternoon against the Heat. He's never played in a playoff game. He was lost over in Phoenix where they don't win, and it's a terribly run franchise. And so he has not experienced what it means and what it feels like to play in the playoffs. And even this year, it's not exactly right that true experience where you have fans, where you have that environment, where you're traveling, where you're studying film, let's say, on the flight home and maybe dealing with fans outside of your hotel, things like that. That's a little bit different, but I know he's really excited to just ball out, to just play basketball, focus on it, and see if he can help this Pacers team advance to the second round. There's several other cases. Justin Holiday, he's playing for his seventh team in seven seasons and this is only the second time that he's played in the playoffs. The first time, he was seldomly used as a member of the championship Warriors team back in 2015. So he really didn't get the full experience. Now he's a critical reserve piece, maybe even in the starting lineup, depending on injuries and such with this Pacers team. So Justin Holiday's kind of been the most indispensable Pacer this season, and that's telling, too, what I wrote most recently on FieldhouseFiles.com is he's the one Pacer that played in every game this year, all 73. And by the way, he's the oldest. And it's something he's done in three of the last four years. And he said he would have done it four straight years if, while in Chicago, 
the coach elected to play him late in the season. Instead, they elected to go in a different direction. I think you know what I'm hitting at here. But it wasn't that he wasn't healthy or that he wasn't contributing. It was more of a coaching decision. So Warren's first playoff, just the second time for Justin Holiday. Sabonis remains out. So Miles Turner must deliver in some capacity. Victor Oladipo, while not 100%, he must deliver. And so to preview this, I'm bringing on Tim Reynolds, a Miami-based AP writer. He primarily covers the NBA and the Heat for the AP. He just wrapped up about a month in the bubble. He will return here in a few weeks, but I don't blame him leaving to get kind of refreshed, get back in his home environment, and geared up for then a long postseason run. I think he wrote, he said, more than 70 stories during a 35-day stretch. So we'll first talk about his experience inside the bubble, and then we'll break down from an Indiana and Miami perspective what this series might look like. And then on the other side of that, you'll hear from Ron Shell. He's the VP of Customers and Insight for PointsBet. Last week, they reached a partnership with the Pacers, and I thought this was a good opportunity to talk about sports gaming, its growth, how it is booming right now, and especially, I got to imagine, with people at home betting on games while from the comforts of their own couch. And this is an area I know NBA is watching closely. Number one, it's a revenue stream, but it's also a way to continue to engage its customers. So even if there's a blowout in the game, people will still be interested and engaged because maybe they have something on the line. Maybe there's something they're watching closely. And so this is something I'm watching closely and wanted to dive deeper into with PointsBets VP of Customer and Insight. Subscribe to this Fieldhouse Files podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can listen to both new and archived episodes. And I encourage you to check out my written work online at fieldhousefiles.com. First up is Tim Reynolds of the AP, followed by Ron Shell of PointsBet. All right, as promised, I'm now joined by Tim Reynolds. And uh, Tim, you are just getting out of the bubble. You had that full experience, one of the uh, dozens, dozen individuals, let's say, that was inside the bubble to experience that. So before we preview um, this key series, just kind of your big takeaways from what you experienced it and maybe how it differed from your expectations going in. Yeah, um, I, I if, if you can go live in a bubble for five weeks, I highly recommend it. Uh, it was, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't, I honestly don't know what my expectations were. And I know that sounds weird, but I think it's one of those things that you can't really envision until you're there. Um, I, I, I truly felt like we were in the safest place in the world. I mean, the, the testing process, the, the vigilance about mask wearing, social distancing, there are little hand sanitizing kiosks everywhere, like everywhere. Yeah. You can't walk 20 feet without seeing one. Um, I don't know where they found all this stuff. I really don't. There's a billion little bottles of hand sanitizer around. The, like, I, I don't know how they got it. Just getting it alone is amazing. <laughs> to um, that point, I was surprised we saw a, a look inside of the packaging area, and it looked like an Amazon warehouse when it came to like Lysol wipes. And I was like, wait, I thought there was a shortage here. but There was, <laughs> and that's why. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, that pack, that area... I went in there a few times and like guys were getting, I mean, it's pretty well known. Um, Jason Tatum didn't like the small fridge in his room. So what does he do? He bought a full refrigerator. He was the one. I I wasn't sure who that was. Okay. Jason Tatum. There was, I don't, I'm not going to say who, because I don't know if they wanted out, but 
somebody bought four couches. It wasn't a player, a staff member bought a couch for their hotel room. And it got such rave reviews that then three other couches got purchased because the hotels all had like one, one chair and a bed. Um, Guys bought pinball machines, Scott. Guys bought guys bought poker tables. There were poker tables delivered there. I think the great um, debate, t- Tim, is what player has status that gets the bigger room. I thought I read or heard somewhere maybe there was about four suites-ish per team. So how were those divvied up, especially for more of the superstar teams? I don't know who got – I don't know who got what. Um, we can I assume a few of them. But well, from, from the Pacers' I, standpoint, know- I would assume Victor – I would assume maybe Malcolm Brogdon, but outside of that, I'm not sure. I would think, I will tell you this. Now, the, the only two people who I know for absolutely certain who got sweets in this whole deal were LeBron James, who I think got like a castle. Seriously. Like his is, I'm told his room is ridiculous. And a guy named Jared Diamond. Mm-hmm. And you're saying to yourself, who is Jared Diamond? Jared Diamond is the equipment manager for the for the uh, Orlando Magic. Yeah. Now, it it's not he didn't because those guys often handle like the transportation lists. He didn't like pull a string for himself. His second bedroom in his suite became the Magic de facto equipment room because there are hundreds of jerseys that each team have. They've got like seven different jerseys: a version with the name, a version without the name, a version with the name above. You've got spare jersey for everybody. You've got jerseys to wear in case blood gets on a jersey. He needed the space. So they, the Magic were really smart. They gave him a suite to hold all the stuff so he knew where it would be at all times. I thought that was brilliant. I don't know if the guy who was next on the list to get a suite liked it so much, but at least I thought that was cool that he got one. That was smart planning, even if it maybe offends one player or two. But uh, being with the team on the road, I, I've experienced that. And you have bags for days. And these guys had to ship stuff because it was so much. So that that does make a lot of sense. Um, one last thing in terms of that. Did you have any kind of, say, health concerns going in? Or like you said, this was actually more safe than probably anywhere else you could be. So not at all. Well, I mean, I was, of course, I was totally afraid. In fact, I'll be honest. So it's about, it's like a three and a half hour drive from my house. I drove up. I didn't fly. And about halfway up, I, I stopped at a convenience store to get a, to get a cup of coffee. All I was doing. And I'm watching the store and about 15 people walk out of the store. It's really busy. It's a Sunday afternoon and nobody's wearing a mask. And I watch a bunch of people go in and nobody's wearing a mask. And I'm like, I need coffee, but I'm not going out like this. So (laughs) I, and I didn't want to be the guy who brought it to the bubble. So I'm like, you know what? I can, I can fight through this without the coffee. Um, That was kind of a little bit of a sobering moment. And then after I checked in, the first knock on my door when I started quarantine was NBA security saying, Hey, we need your car keys. And I'm like, am I, no, I said, I'm, I'm okay to park there. I, I checked. And they said, no, 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 no. You can't go back in your car. Your car's not sterile. Wow. I haven't and heard that. that. That was sobering to me. That was a, wow. They really have kind of thought of everything. Um, so, it, I guess, I mean, I, I, we're all concerned. I mean, you're, you're concerned anywhere you go. If, 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 you know, you're concerned if you're not going anywhere, mm-hmm. it, obviously, about getting this thing. But they were so professional about the testing. They were 
you'd get the results right away. The one thing that they didn't tell us, Scott, was because like the first three or four, like, I remember the first night, I'll, I'll hand to God, my hand, I've explained it to people. Like if you ever watch Blazing Saddles. I have not. When, no, I'm not a movie guy. Oh, you're missing great stuff. <laughs> Blazing just one scene in Blazing Saddles where the the guy, guy in jail is showing that he used to be Billy the Kid and his hand is flapping like just he's trying to show that he used to have a really steady hand and now it's just shaking. My hand was shaking opening the email about my first test result, and after about day five, they told us, "Oh, if you get an email, you're fine. If you get the phone call, you have a problem." So by then, I didn't even open the emails anymore, but I was so afraid to open the email every day with my test result because I was so afraid it was going to be bad. They didn't bother telling us that if you get an email, no matter what, you're fine. So it's that. Yeah, yeah, I had to kind of learn that on the fly. I mean, it got it was a little it, I'll be honest. It was nerve wracking every day. It really was. It, it's a reminder every day of what's going on outside. But luckily, we the bubble is working. And and I'm not going anywhere for these two weeks until I go back. I promise you that. Yeah, and we should make clear you were you were there for whatever it's been the last month. Now decided to kind of go get a refresh, and then we'll jump back into it um, here upcoming. The one concern I know a lot of us on the Pro Basketball Writers Association had going in was even for those inside or kind of slightly outside the bubble. Was it even worth it? And being from an outside perspective right now, it seems like the NBA has adapted and absolutely made it worthwhile for those that absolutely could afford it, which wasn't a ton, but those that were inside. Did you come away feeling that way as well? I, I don't know because I don't okay. know what the alternative would have been. Um, I, I do know this. It, it was, you know, without getting into all the machinations of it, I, mean, I think it's all pretty much out there. But th- this is this was expensive. And it, it is expensive because, one, you have the hotel. All your meals are included because, again, it's not like you can leave. It's not like you can go out. Um, they limited us to – we couldn't go to restaurants. Um, you know, there was just basically like a college dormitory dining hall type setup. And there was room service at night that, that they could bring to. Um but the testing only, I mean, the testing was like 140 bucks a day. So the cost added up really, really quickly. And it's, it's, a, it's a really big expense. And I don't think people need to be reminded right now that journalism is uh, um, watching every penny yeah. right now, no matter where you work. So um, it's a really big expense. And, and I thought the league was fair with it. I don't think we were, we certainly weren't overpriced or anything like that. I'm not saying that. Um, I'm just, I don't know how much extra I got out of it by being there, but at the same time, I think it's important for us, for the AP to be there because one, there's great stories. And two, there is that element of what if something goes wrong? Like you kind of, you, you'd have a better chance of knowing what's going on if you're there than if you're not. And that's just, I, I want to, I need to stress, that's just my thinking. I don't yeah. think that's why my bosses chose to go. There needed, to be, pe- to, there needed to be people on the ground just in case Absolutely. and to just document it. And I, this is kind of the joke I've said is I hope for some reason the NBA said, hey, Lee Jenkins, we need you to kind of go back to your old job and somehow churn out a book over the next year because I think that would be fascinating. Of course, he's in a, a management role now, front office with the Clippers, but somebody right. like that would be, I think There's, that would be I an amazing the- book. I'll be honest. I thought about it, but okay. you know, writing writing as much as I did, um, I didn't have a whole lot of time to do book stuff. I, I did go up there thinking this is going to be really cool to cover. But and I'll say this too: like we are so limited. The journalists, I mean, are so limited inside the bubble. Like we don't have access to the hotels. You hear some things, sure, and and you could put together maybe a great book about rumors. 
you could put a great book of the stories that were never told, but we don't know how many of them are really true or not. Like we are not in the hotels with the guy. We're not hanging out with the teams. We don't have access to what they have access to. We see the basketball part. And yes, we get to go backstage at games. That part's cool. But there isn't a whole lot of secret society stuff that we're privy to there, believe me. Tim, what is the one thing you're going to have to take back? You forgot, you didn't realize you're going to need. Anything? Um, I I don't know if I'm going to take it back or not. I will say, because I don't have one, but I do think, I, I saw somebody had an enormous beanbag chair for their room. Okay. And... I just I don't know why, but I just want one now. So I'm ordering I'm ordering one of those to go back with. Oh, and and a blanket. They have like these weird. It's like a thicker like the blanket. And I know it's a million degrees, but whatever. Bear with me. The blanket in these hotels is just like a thick sheet. That's not a blanket. That's like, not I'm comfy. Used like a, I'm used to like a comforter type thing. So I might be getting one of those bed in a bags and just kind of leave it behind when I leave. But maybe that. But for the most part, um, I definitely overpacked. I did not need seven pairs of pants because it's <laughs> a thousand degrees there. Nobody's wearing pants. Like, yeah. So I'll be smarter about my packing. But I didn't. I didn't forget a whole lot, which was cool. That's great. Uh, I want to get into the, now this Pacers heat series you're miami-based ap reporter you cover the heat among the along with the nba as well um this is one i think going in clearly the heat are favored number one because of the injuries um right now with the pacers but also i think just in general because of the heat's depth and and their versatility and their speed that doesn't really match up quite well with the pacers what are kind of your opening thoughts about what we might see in the next two weeks well i think you're going to see a lot of a lot of the Pacers trying to counter whatever the heat come up with for Bam Adebayo. Yeah. And, and I, and obviously without Sabonis, there go a lot of your counter options, really. I mean, I, I, I do think Indiana can give Miami problems. Um, one and, and Pacer fans might've picked up on this a little bit Friday. They definitely will over the next four to seven games. TJ McConnell. I don't know what the city of Miami ever did to him, <laughs> TJ McConnell gets up to play this team like nobody I have ever seen in 17 years. TJ McConnell has a deep-seated hatred of the Miami Heat, and it's so much fun to watch because he is. I, I was telling Chrissy Myers, one of the you know the Pacers sure. PR person sure. who's there, I was telling Chrissy he is my favorite player in the NBA, and I mean that. TJ McConnell plays so freaking hard; it's amazing, and he's going to cause problems for Miami in this series. I, I do agree with you. Miami's depth, Miami's shooting. Um, the fact that, you know, the injury situation being what it is for the Pacers, I would agree with you that the heat is favored, but this is not a Milwaukee, Orlando, Brooklyn, Toronto type favoring. This is a series where the heat is going to have to play very well to advance. I agree. I think I, I did pick them to win in six, but if they have a couple of nights where they don't shoot the ball well, all bets are off. Yeah, I love McConnell because number one, he he's just that pesky annoyance. Like I think he if you you don't play with him, you probably hate him. But if he's on your team, you love the little things he does, like stealing the inbounds pass, which he's usually good for about once per game. Um, and then also, it just seems like he plays with such a great joy out there, the chatter. And we've been seeing more of that, Tim, as he's been mic'd up for several games um, during this year. So that's that's certainly been fun for uh, us to follow. Right now, it doesn't sound like Sabonis is going to be there. I know he's training to try to return to the bubble. 
But even if, even if he does, he'd probably face up to 10 days, maybe four days. But he's been away for a month, hasn't played basketball for a month. So even if he does return, best case, I just don't see it um, ultimately. So then you got to turn to what now for the Pacers. And so for them, you, you got TJ Warren, by the way, who's playing on some kind of plantar fasciitis, which is never easy, but it's not certainly to the degree of Demonis Sabonis. Victor, while is much better, is still not quite 100%. And then Malcolm Brogdon has been injured throughout the year. So I think from a Pacers perspective, those are the things you're concerned about. How about for the Heat? Um, I know Kendrick Nunn had been away. He left the bubble for a little bit. What are some of the health concerns for the Heat's perspective? Well, for starters, there's Derek Jones, of course, who mm-hmm. just took that unbelievably ugly fall on Friday on just, I mean, Derek Jones's body fat is like zero. He has no cushion. So he's any contact with him. And he tends to kind of land awkwardly anyway. Um, that was such an unfortunate scene. Um, you know, he was much better very quickly after the game Friday. Um, he'll be available at some point in this series. I don't know if game one, but he's a valuable piece for them. He's, you know, he can play, he plays a couple of different positions and he plays in a couple of different lineups. He has gotten to become a much better shooter. He's a good rebounder. He's somebody they need. But the, the big ones to me, you touched on one, Kendrick Nunn, and the other one is Bam. I mean, they both, they both were late getting to the bubble because of COVID. You know, Bam had been saying that up until a couple of weeks ago, he didn't, I mean, until a few days ago, rather, he didn't feel like his conditioning was great because of the virus, because of what was going on there. And as he tries to work his way back, Kendrick hasn't been his his rookie of the year candidate self really in the bubble. Um, you know, Spoh's going to have a tough decision. Goran Dragic played really well in the bubble, but I think Kendrick Nunn is going to start anyway because if he doesn't start, then you're going to have two rookies in the backcourt with that Miami second unit if Kendrick Nunn's playing alongside Tyler Hero. I think that's a matchup that Nate McMillan would 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 love to see. Nate would be doing cartwheels to see that. So I think you have to have Goran in that second unit as a steadying force. But I'd be curious if Kendrick Nunn returns to form. And I think a lot of it's the COVID. I really do. The notable thing, of course, with the Pacers right now is the run that T.J. Warren individually is having. I mean, he, he was named to the first team. Um, all bubble is what I'm going to call it here. But throughout the season, Tim, we saw the Heat, one of the three team, one of the teams that was able to lock him down, uh, kept him to 12 and 16 some points throughout the season. And I think one, you have that one on one matchup, which is fun, a little overdone, I think, but is fun with way, t- with Jimmy way Butler. Way overdone. Yeah, way overdone. Do you agree with me that this isn't even a rivalry? Um, Pacers haven't won anything, so how can it be a rivalry, even extending back to 2013-14? I think that's I think a thing that's overhyped a little bit as well. If the, the parallels that are being drawn to the Jimmy Butler-TJ stuff, I mean, again, it was seven seconds of playing time is when all that went down. I mean, it was seven seconds. We were talking about it for seven months. <laughs> and, and really, to, to make the comparison of here they go again, we are so disrespecting what went on between these two franchises in 12, 13, and 14. Sure. I mean, in, in, in 14, if you take a poll, if, if people are going to be honest, if, if you take a poll of the guys on this, on that heat roster in 2014, if they're going to be honest, I think they, I think a lot of them thought Indiana was going to get them in that series. And in 13, I think the Pacers were the second best team in basketball. I, I really believe that this is not that. This is not those days. It really isn't. And 
it's sad that, you know, look, it, it, it works how it works. I, I do think this. Now, I, the only game where they were really matched up here was obviously the first matchup between the teams a week ago. I charted every half-court possession of that game, and I rarely do that, but it's a game in the bubble. I wasn't really writing a great game story. I wanted to just lock in on that matchup and see what was going on. And here's what I thought was really interesting, Scott. The Pacers didn't go to TJ. It wasn't so much that Jimmy took him away. It was when Jimmy was on him in the half court, the Pacers more often than not didn't even look at TJ. And and I don't know if that was by design, if that was let's not fuel the fire here. It's be, if it's because TJ wasn't feeling great. I don't know what it was, but I thought it was more that than Jimmy really locking him down in that game. I'll, I'll be really, really curious to see how game one plays out because I think it is critical. For both teams, I think even more so than I think for every team right now, game one is critical. You know how it is. Right. You go on the road, you get down two games, but all of a sudden you're like, okay, yeah, we're going home. And that's the psychological boost that you have. Well, nobody's going home this year. There's no boost. It, it, it's going to be the same crowd of zero. So I think when you get behind in a series, it's going to be really tough to come back. I think the Pacers have to go to TJ really heavy in game one. See where the foot's at, see where he's at, and that could dictate how the rest of the series goes for Indiana. Yeah, with TJ, I, I even go even past this one-game sample size we saw in the bubble. You go back to the last meeting in Indianapolis where we had that feud. TJ had three points. You go back even before that where, actually, I think it began. It was down in Miami um, in late December, a game Pacers really should have won. I don't know what they were doing on the, the final possession. I feel It feels like the Heat got like 10 rebounds offensively in a row and were able to get a bucket, but... That was a game where those two kind of shoved. Um, I remember once. There was a little there. Yeah, yep. and T.J. Warren drew an offensive foul on Jimmy, and I think that's ultimately where it started. It gets overlooked a little bit. Yeah, I think T.J., with the lack of Sabonis being there and Victor not being 100%, Malcolm not being 100%, I think it's incumbent on him to kind of take charge as the leading scorer of this team to to show uh, what he can do and provide. What do you think from a Heat perspective is a the key player in the series, the one guy that must show up? And I'm guessing it's Jimmy Butler. Do you agree? Nope. No. Because okay. I think he will. I'm, I think right now it's Duncan Robinson. And I, if, if you had told me that on, in April 2019 that I'd be saying Duncan Robinson is the key to a playoff series, I probably would have committed myself, honestly. I, I probably would have checked in for evaluation immediately. <laughs> they are so good when he makes threes. And, and I mean, his – I don't really – Scott, I'm old. I've, I've covered this league a long time. I've covered this game for almost 30 years. I don't buy into every analytic. But when so- someone shows me that Duncan Robinson had the best true shooting percentage of any guard in the history of basketball this season, I'm starting to buy in a little bit that he's kind of important to Miami's home. If, if Miami gets him going, they're just a totally different team. When he's making shots, teams, of course, have to react to him. That frees up spacing for Jimmy to get to the rim. It frees up spacing for Bam. You can't double Bam as easily. Bam can go to the high post. Bam can do what he wants down low. When he's making shots, the game is incredibly easy for the Miami Heat. I don't think he's the be-all, end-all. I mean, it is Jimmy Butler's team. There's no denying that. But if Duncan Robinson plays well, I, the odds of Miami succeeding in this series go up so much. I'm going to take a, a little bit of an alternative pick as well. We we kind of expect something from Warren. 
maybe some of the other guys. I think even Victor, not 100%. He's the leader of this team. He's the star of the team. What is he going to show us ultimately? And he has not shot it well at all in the bubble. Um, he's been a willing teammate, meaning late in, the, late in the game, if somebody has the hot hand, he's willing to ride him. But I think this team may go as far as he's willing to kind of push them along a little bit um, because the th- interesting thing, going back to what we talked about a few minutes ago, Tim, is as much as there was this meeting of these teams you know, several years ago, neither one of the Pacers or the Heat has advanced past the first round since 2014. So both are desperate for that, that success the heat, the heat, to advance past that their, first round. The Heat got there once. In, they won a round in 16. They they had to beat they, Charlotte okay. and they had to, they had to beat Charlotte in Game Six and Game Seven. How can you forget Purple Shirt Guy game in Charlotte? <laughs> Miami went there down three two, and some okay. guy in a purple shirt in the front row was harassing Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, and it was a really bad mistake. So Purple Shirt Guy became kind of heat play. But yes, they have one one win. It's been a while since fourteen. It's it's been a while, and that's why it is a big series. And I'll to the Vic point too, Scott. You know, we all know he's not 100%, and I think it's great that he came back and played. I really do. I think it's important. I think it's great for Indiana. For Indiana, I think it's great for the fans. It shows the franchise who he is and what he's all about. But for the same reason that you don't rush Sabonis back right now, if they get down 2-0 in this series or something like that, do you think about it? Do you think about the long-term future? I mean, does anyone believe that Indiana is going to win the title this year? Probably not. So the risk-reward, not just for the Pacers, but for all 16 teams that are left, you're going to see some interesting decisions, I think, in the bubble when teams start to get down in a series. How much are they willing to risk knowing that this could potentially be a very short offseason? If the league's really going to start on December 1st, that means we're back in camp sometime in November. Mm -hmm. That's coming up real fast, folks. So I don't know how much teams would be willing to risk right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that means necessarily, say, hold Victor out, but it might mean, hey, he doesn't need to play more than 32 minutes or 35 minutes. Push his minutes a little bit because we've already seen him play 37, 38 um, um, past that. What would it mean for the Heat to advance past the first round and, and make that second round appearance finally? Well, it makes Jimmy Butler's first year here a success. Okay, I, I think that's fair. Um, I know, you know, he you know, listen. They 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 think big in Miami. They always have. I mean, it's it's if you're going to be in the playoffs, you may as well try to win the whole thing. I mean, that's just kind of that Heat culture that we always hear so much about. Um, it, it, to win this series would be successful for them. It it really would. Um, I and then everything else to me would would be gravy. I I think. I, I don't think Eric Spolstra needs this. I think Eric Spolstra is a Hall of Fame coach. I, I honestly do. I think he gets the unfair knock of winning. He won championships with LeBron and Chris and Dwayne. Okay, well, you know, there's a lot of coaches that have had LeBron that didn't. You know, a lot of, I mean, he's only won it three times in however many years he's been in the league. Um, I don't think he needs it, but I do think this young core, and, and when you look at this roster, I mean, unless they blow it up in a trade, you know, for the most part, the core is going to be the core next year. And to say that you're coming off at least one playoff series win, boy, that could go a long way next season. And we all know they've got very big plans for free agency in 21. I think getting to a minimum second round here really gets that, gets that momentum going again. If Pat Riley is going to try to pull off something next summer, like he pulled off in 2010. I hate that I'm bringing it up, but I'm going to just because this is kind of the chatter among Pacer fans is what is it like down in Miami when it relates to how big they want to go in free agency next summer? And of course that suggests Giannis, but more so as it relates to the Pacers, a guy like Victor, who 
will be a free agent, wants to win, and also enjoys the stage of a big city of the, the L.A., New York's, Miami's. And he spent a lot of time in Miami, too. Um, the one thing I would say to Pacer fans is this. If, if I think 29 teams are going to be interested in Vic. 29 other teams, I should say. 30 will be interested. 29 other teams and the Pacers. See, I don't, I don't think so. I, I do. I, I think people will be cautious about this injury, because we, at least right now, because we still haven't seen him 100%. And also, Tim, there are so many free agents that are going to be out there, the big splashes. But, but there are going to be some teams that miss, and they'll need somebody. So I do get that. So, but to that point, that when you look at the 21 class, as it's constructed right now, and assuming that basically... I mean, I'm sort of working under the uh, working under the thinking that every free agent this summer, for the most part, except Anthony Davis, is going to get a one year deal, because I don't I think I don't think anybody really knows yet what the long term financial implications are going to be cap wise. Assuming that to be the case, I still think there's going to be like five at the most max level guys who will truly be on the market in 21, and there's going to be like 20 teams with max money, so. Somebody is going mean, to, I think somebody's going to swing and miss, but I do think an awful lot of teams are going to learn very early on that they're not in Giannis's plans. And, you know, all of a sudden the guys like Donovan, the guys like Victor, they're going to become really, really good 1A options for people. That's why I do think that, I mean, again, if health is, of course, sure. paramount, that's the caveat over everything. Um, do I know for certain that Miami likes Victor? Well, no, but you can safely assume, can't you? I mean, he's an excellent player. He's an elite player, and he fits the mold of kind of kind of who they are. And, you know, he does seem to remind some people of that number three guy who played here for 16 years. So mm-hmm. there is, and, and, you know, Pat Riley likes those guys. So. Fun, fun story. Him and Dwayne Wade first met at the White House. And then, of course, they have the uh, connection with Tom Crean at Indiana. And I know Pacer fans don't forgive Tom Crean because of that. I think it was 2013, right, when Wade couldn't do anything, went down to Bloomington for a day, came back, and won the series. So they, they still hold that on Coach Crean, I know. Yeah, I don't think you got a lot of Georgia basketball fans in the greater Indianapolis area <laughs> these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, Listen, what, what's the saying? Blood is thicker than water. I, I don't know. It's I, 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 I've heard so many versions of that day. Um, but for whatever happened, like he and LeBron, I mean, Dwayne comes back and then he and LeBron scored like what? 72 in game four on that Sunday or whatever it was. And yeah, the, 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 the books we could write about those three years, Scott, they would be an awful lot of, an awful lot of fun and maybe not a lot of fun reading for Pacer fans, but they were just such they were just such a good series. Yeah, they the, really were. The challenge for Pacer fans is one of their best teams was right. The two th- was ninety seven went up against MJ. Two thousand went to the finals and met Kobe and Shaq. Um, yep. And then those thirteen fourteen teams, you go up against LeBron and his his trio of all stars right there. And so, you know, in their short time when they've hit their window, it really hasn't been there because it's taken excellence to top them. And so it's been That's Jordan, it's been it, Shaq, it, it's been LeBron. It took three. Hall of Fame teams to knock them off. And I do listen, I, I've said forever, and I'm not saying it just because I'm talking to you, I have said it for a long time. I think Indiana fans are the most knowledgeable in the NBA. And I'm not buying into just the Indiana basketball stereotype. I really think Pacer fans have just I think it's just an unbelievable fan base. I, I've always thought that. 
I think they're smart enough to realize, I mean, yeah, it hurts. It definitely hurts, but I think they understand this isn't a snake bitten franchise. It just took, I mean, if it was anything other than absolute elite teams on the other side, there'd be some Larry O'Brien's hanging out right now. Yeah, I think just what they're tired of, Tim, is kind of just being good, right? This is, I think, the 25th time in 31st season reaching the playoffs, all fine and dandy, but how about competing? Because as you mentioned earlier, we know this team right now is currently constructed. They're not competing for a championship. And so to go back to my previous question, what it would mean for the Pacers to advance is, I think, progress. It would be a step in the right direction to see them advance past the first round without Sabonis, with Oladipo not feeling himself, with several other guys injured because by the time the series is over, they'll have more than 200 games lost due to injury. And you're just not going to win a a championship or even contend with, with something significant um, like this. I've kept you much longer than I expected. I wanted to wrap up with this and that's the coaching matchup. You hinted about it earlier a little bit with Eric Spolstra. And I've been surprised in the last few days, Tim, the fact basically every pacer we, we talk to has kind of the, the note. It goes, well, they're a very good coach team. And, I'm curious, do you see that when you talk to players around the league every time they face Miami? Because I think I've talked to three players in the last two days, and every one of them on their own has mentioned how they are a very well-coached team and then everything else. Well, I think players, I, I think I would venture a guess that a lot of NBA players cannot name all 30 coaches because it's a revolving door in, in most cities. Eric Spolster is the second longest tenured guy in the league. They know who he is because he's been there for so long. I mean, it's Pop and then it's Spo. Rick Carlisle was was hired the same year, but a few days after Spo in Dallas. So technically, Spo has been in his job second longer than anybody else other than Pop. Um, I think there's that factor. I think the fact that, you know, Spo has been a bit of a brand. I mean, he's had Dwayne, he's had LeBron, of course, and things of that nature. But because he's been there for so long... I think people can safely conclude they're a very well-coached team because the Heat have kept him. I mean, and and a lot, I mean, he's gone to the playoffs now nine times in 12 years. I do think that's part of it. And they do run, you know, they run stuff that's a little bit different. There's a, you know, there's a commitment to defense here, yes. But, you know, he really, Spo doesn't, LeBron got a lot of, a lot of credit in 2012 for changing his game after the failure in the 2011 finals. That was all on him by the way. And it was, he had to look himself in the eye and he couldn't blame anybody else anymore. So LeBron had to change his game and you know what happened in 12 and 13. They went on to win the whole thing. And that's when he thought but, he was the villain and tried to embrace it. And that's just not he, who he is. And He's that was who he is. And you, can't, and you can't play happy when you're not happy. Spo changed that summer too. That's basically when the heat went positionless and now positionless has become kind of like all the rage in the NBA. But for Spo, it's evolved in that it's no longer positionless. If you tell Spo we're going to go sign, I'm just going to make up a player. If you tell Spo that the Heat, if if Andy Ellisberg goes to him and says, mm-hmm. we're going to sign Larry Bird, Spo will be like, okay, great. Larry Bird can play the three. No, he's going to look at it as, okay, who can I play him with? Like Spo evolved, and he hasn't coached really conventionally ever since. And I do think players get that. But because he's been there for so long, I think that's part of the reason why he just is assumed for doing a great job, because he's kept his job for a long time. And we're the big thing with the Heat that we've seen is just kind of their versatility defensively. They're shooting, uh, what, top uh, field goal percentage from three-point land uh, in the league, I think, in the bubble. They were excellent. So 
a lot of things that the Pacers will have to cover. And, uh, Tim, I appreciate you coming on with me to break down this series a little bit. It will be a fun one, playing every other day. So that's another storyline maybe both of us will be writing about is how it does or does not impact these guys, not having to travel, not having an extra day in between. Um, It's a whole new foreign land for us. It is, but at the same time, boy, you don't want somebody to jam a finger or something like that right now because they could be feeling it for three games. So there's this is in a season like none other, we're about to feel a playoffs like none other. I like it. Thanks so much, Tim. I appreciate your time, and uh, make sure Pacer fans are giving you a follow throughout this series. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you, man. I'm now joined by PointsBet. It's Ron Shell. He's the Vice President of Customer and Insights. And, Ron, you've been there from day one um, with this company um, to start out, and we do have a lot of exciting news as it relates to betting, but in particular with the Pacers. But to start out, could you share a little bit about your background and the explosion in general, I think, that we've seen from sports gaming, especially as states like Indiana, we can do it mobily. So it doesn't matter where you are within the state. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. Very exciting to be here and and to speak about gaming in the in the Indiana sphere as well. I think you touched on, I've been at PointsBet from day one and we were just an Australian company and we've had online sports betting in Australia for nearly 15 years. So it's obviously a very different state of the business uh, from when, and the industry when I joined in Australia, but it's been a meteoric rise. We always had one eye on the US. Uh, we had investors uh, and people, smart people that thought that sports gaming would finally legalize. And that was four years ago. Um, and then to finally have that happen with PASPA in May, 2018, you know, I was uh, running our marketing um, and customer service and helping out with product in Australia. I obviously put my hand up to come uh, with our CEO and our vice president of operations as soon as it legalized. So we moved uh, to New Jersey first, which was the first state, uh, but we've had a massive eye on any states that are opening up and specifically on the Midwest. And Indiana was very important to us. Um, NBA is such a big sport in Australia. It's actually the number one betting sport. Uh, due to the timings, the East Coast games are 10 a.m., 1.30 p.m. Every single work office, uh, people have league pass up on one screen. So uh, to come to a state like uh, Indiana where college basketball and NBA in general has such a storied history, it's obviously uh, very exciting. And you touched on gaming. Um, there isn't a bigger industry in the U.S. right now, and it's absolutely exploding. Um, we've seen the New Jersey numbers year on year have more than doubled. Um, and like you said, Indiana made the wise decision of allowing you to bet on your mobile anywhere in the state without in-person registration. So it just makes it seamless for PointsBet to offer our you know, market leading app here. Yeah, I was surprised already. I saw earlier, I think this week on Twitter, that Indiana has crossed 100 billion, or excuse me, 1 billion in handle um, yeah. already. <laughs> I feel like it's been going maybe two years, roughly. So not a very long time, but it has been one of the early adopters. Um, which has surprised me a little bit. Let's get into it um, as it relates to the Pacers, because fans, if we could ever get back to normal, we'll see more and more uh, about your company and PointsBet um, entering an agreement recently with them, which will include the name of PointsBet kind of right in front of the benches, what's known as the apron. Why, why is a collaboration, a partnership with NBA teams and specifically the Pacers so advantageous for both sides? The great question. I think, you know, on two parts, uh, the NBA in general is just such a, a forward thinking, um, you know, organization. Um, and they realize looking around the world, just the incredible synergies uh, between sports betting uh, and sport. And especially if you're obviously doing it responsibly, you can just create a heightened experience where people are engaged from start to finish, even in games that are blowouts or 
potentially not as interesting. There's always that extra element. So the NBA recognised that and, you know, they've they've done deals uh, with sports betting companies probably earlier than all the other leagues. And I think, you know, in general, uh, for us, the Pacers are such a big part of Indiana. And when we're looking at deals, they wanted, you know, us to have the in-stadium in branding, but to also, I guess, think about those fans that might not be able to get to the stadium because of COVID or just in general and make sure that, we have these assets like the apron mentioned, like the charging stations uh, along the scorers table uh, being on their digital assets as well, but really bring it to in fan, um, in stadium fans, out of stadium fans and have that complete sort of brand awareness and heightened experience. And the Pacers were, were a great partner to work with. They wanted to bring that to their fans and NBA and the Pacers, it just made sense to partner with them for points bet. And Ron, you raised a good idea or a good point, I should say, is part about sports gaming that is great for teams and TV networks is it keeps engagement, right? So if it's a 20 point blowout, you might have some money on a player getting a double, double or yep. a guy hitting a triple double or the, an over let's say, and let's face it right now with so much competition, that's something that these networks and teams are craving is a- another way to engage its crowd. Exactly right. Um, and that's the beauty of it. And I think, you know, even further to that, uh, you know, we, we do have a betting product called points betting, uh, which takes that to the next level. It does. Yeah. Financial result, um, you know, until, until the very end. So yeah, you're exactly right that we, we really want to bring that experience and the re- the way to do that is to offer the most sort of bet types as well. So people can bet on the over player points, rebounds, steals, three points made and be watching that last quarter, even if it's 20 points, uh, you know, the difference and, and the game, the game's already settled. So it, it does bring that extra element. Something I've been following the last couple of years around is kind of the, the data that goes into it. How important is it for companies like yourself to have the, the data directly from the team um, or not? Uh, I think it's really important. I think, you know, you can definitely offer really good pre-match um, bet types and wages, um, you know, with, without that data, but it is moving towards that uh, real live official data because that allows you to offer the best in-play experience. And that's where the industry is heading. You know, people want to be able to bet when the game's happening, when they're sitting in their seats or in their TV and they notice trends or they think TJ Warren's about to catch fire. And to be able to get that data means you can offer markets like the next basket, you can offer the points uh, for each player for the second half and things like that. So that's why the data has been such an important part of these, you know, authorized betting operator deals that sportsbooks are doing with, with the league. So definitely the way of the future is that in-play data. Is that in-play experience probably even better, though, for football and baseball? That's a little slower. And you, you have a 30-second window to kind of say, hey, this is going to be a touchdown pass or anything like that. Does that data suggest that at all? I think so. It does for those what we call, um, you know, those casino style markets or those next next to jump markets where it's the next thing that happens. You're right. In basketball, you need the real live, uh, very, um, you know, very quick, quick to update data. Otherwise, you know, the next basket can happen in, in 10 seconds while the at bat at baseball, you have that 30 seconds while they walk up to the plate. In NFL, you obviously have the timeouts and the audibles and and, it, and all the uh, play calls. Um, but in saying that, NBA stats is such a big part of it. So being able to offer points, rebounds, assists, um, and all of those in-game uh, for people who think they you know, know the players better than the sports books do, and they go, okay, they always have a big third quarter. Um, that's where that in-play stats makes a difference. But you're right, the, the next drive NFL, 
Um, and next at bat, uh, MLB gives a bit more time for betters to make a decision. Yeah, those specialty bets, I can see the, those avid followers, those avid listeners to the podcast. Like, for example, the ones I've seen is a player maybe one and a half, three-pointers, or yep. – player to score the first basket the Pacers a couple of years ago used to go to the same player every game to begin a game so as long as they got the opening possession that's where your diehard fans may know uh, a little bit more than the others I do want to ask you going back to your original point and with points bet is your primary difference um the ability to to have a greater reward ultimately is that the one differentiate thing differentiating your company from several of the others yeah, I think it's it's one of two or three major ones, but that is the one where absolutely no other competitor can put their hand up and say they offer that bet type. Now, just to make it clear, because sometimes people confuse, we have all the normal and every single bet type that all the other big sports book have and even more, but then we have the different type of betting, the points betting, which you mentioned, where you get rewarded more for being right and obviously can go the other way. And when our customers, the customers that love using that are the ones, A, uh, that believe they have, you know, better sports knowledge and they look at a spread and they say, hey, I think Vegas got this one wrong. And instead of betting a larger amount, they can bet a smaller amount per point and get rewarded for each point and really build up big wins. And the same as well, it allows us to create all these in-house markets that no one else can create. For example, we can do things like Victor Oladipo, points times rebounds times assists. Yeah. Over under that, it's a huge multiplier. Most of our betters have 50 cents, a dollar or two dollars on that, and they can turn two dollars, let's say, if you got close to a triple double, into thousands. So it's just that flexibility we have with points betting, which you know gives something that no one else, no one else can offer in the US, not just Indiana. I know so many and are still impacted by COVID across the world and such. But gambling is one of those unique things too, though, because sports took a hiatus a little bit. We had golf, we had the Tiger match, um, some NASCAR, some IndyCar. What, what was that experience like for a company in sports gaming? And now how has it taken off ever since now that we're about to hopefully hit a mad rush um, within the sporting world? Yeah, look, uh, difficult time uh, for everyone. And I think, you know, Looking around the world, uh, the sports betting world obviously took a hit, uh, but there's plenty of industries that did. I think the positives for us uh, was what we saw from those tier two, tier three sports. We actually couldn't believe the popularity of things that continued like table tennis. Table tennis suddenly became the most bet on sport um, in, at points bet and in the industry in, in places like Russia and the Czech Republic and other sports and leagues, especially soccer returned a bit earlier, the Bundesliga, um, La Liga and a few others. Um, Ron, I had friends, I had friends yeah. do the Australian football league. I had never watched it before. I want to say it was on late at night. I had friends tuning in and getting their fix, if you will, <laughs> on that in particular, even though they had no idea what was going on. Yeah, it was a mate, to be honest, it warmed my heart. It, I, you know, I'll go down. I love all sports, yeah. uh, but I still think it's the best sport in the world. What was funny uh, actually with that is that last year at this time, uh, Scott, I think we had an AFL game that had 10 bets on it. So nothing. As soon as COVID hit, it was one of the only sports, like you said, that was still there. It was actually on ESPN. I know Pat McAfee also uh, mentioned exactly. yep. had about 500 bets, um, you know, on the same sort of comparison year on year because it was one of the only sports on and people tweeting us going, what is this sport? It has no rules. You know, what? it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So, yeah, I think highlighting those lower level sports was actually a great thing and it allowed us to really bring them to life through content. So statistics, um, little videos, and, and then in-app in app stuff. And now those sports are still there. 
So you have your people betting on NBA and every Pacers game that are still doing their table tennis bets now that they've bet on it. So, um, you know, there's always those little silver linings that we look to and, and to keep building that offering for our customers so they can bet on anything whenever they get the urge. Now you're from Melbourne. You uh, went into a finance, worked incredible place. Ernst & Young, they do a lot of work in the NBA. Did you ever imagine that your, your degree and your interest in finance would ever move you into something like this in sports gaming that, of course, has now taken off? Uh, it's hard. You know, it's hard because it originally was a passion. Um, you don't always uh, match your passion to somewhere that you're going to work at. But I did work at another startup company in Australia that was a sports betting company, TomWaterhouse.com, which was eventually acquired by William Hill. So I got a lot of learnings there. That was more of a college job, as they call it. But look, let me answer it this way. Ernst & Young, as an auditor, um, does not prepare you for the 24-7 life of the sports betting industry at PointsBet. It is literally chalk and cheese. Um, it was a completely different life. I'd never go back. I probably had double the amount of spare time at Ernst & Young. Uh, but the challenges here in such a competitive industry and how you can see the growth every day. It's just so exciting. So yeah, to answer it, it probably didn't prepare me, but it's been, you know, a great move to an exciting industry. Now your, your title suggests customer insights. You're, you're really deep into what it takes to get a customer and then take care of them and get them to keep coming back. Would you say the hardest part is just kind of allowing them to experience points bet for the first time and figure it out? And then once they're in there, they know how to go about it and make those decisions. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think the first, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of an arms race out there. There is so many ads on TV and radio. And, you know, as a, as a new better, you're a bit overwhelmed. Um, what we're confident at is, is that once we do get them through the door, um, we keep them, you know, really, really well. And the reason is we actually do care so much about that customer experience. It's not about just getting that customer through the door and saying, hey, we have 10,000 you know, new customers. We want them to be coming back day to day, month to month. And the way we do that is with the user experience of the app, having the best products and new products. I think we released two new features this year around parlays and a few others that are still first to market. And then also making sure we personalize it. I think one of the things we want, we've already brought to Indiana and we're going to bring to every jurisdiction is making sure we don't just do the same offers and bet types because people are interested in different things. A great example is how much we highlight the paces in Indiana. We have 10 different player props around Warren, Turner, uh, Oladipo, even Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday, all these players that we probably wouldn't offer in New Jersey because not many people would bet on them. And they're saying you've got the Indy 500, for example, coming up and we are going to do a lot more on that than we would maybe in awesome. others. But yeah. that approach is what made us successful in New Jersey and Iowa today. And it's something that we really pride ourselves on because you can actually look at our app in each state and you'll see a different home screen. Uh, we have the ability to do that, and serve that personalized experience. So I think that's, that's, that's how we get to keep the customers with that quick, easy app. And with the personalized experience, you know, through owning our own technology, it means I can make a decision today. Scott, you might give me a great idea. Um, I can go back and have that implemented in the next 24 hours. We don't have to go to a third party. You will power fan in IndyCar being from Australia. Uh, yeah, he's actually second favorite. I was looking at uh, the other day. He's got a bit of a uh, he's a bit of a cult cult hero. Um, I, I do like him. I, I I will admit I only watch probably about three or four races a year. But I think uh, when I start beating our Indiana clients, they'll start convincing me how good a live experience it is. That's what I've heard. It's one of the best live sporting experiences you can go to. 
It is. And unfortunately, because of everything, no fans this year. But yeah, you can't beat it. Like 300,000 some fans. They don't even know. <laughs> I, I want to leave you with this, Ron. I know you got something special coming up just for Pacers fans. We've seen TJ Warren blow up uh, and have an outstanding bubble return, if you will. What will you have going on for Pacer fans? Yeah, he really has, you know, been the reincarnation of Michael Jordan. It's been unbelievable to see, especially those first three games. So buzz around him. Everyone's already excited about him, but we want to make uh, take advantage of that. Um, we'll be doing a very special promotion for all all customers of PointsBet, new um, and, and already existing customers, where we'll be giving them a dollar in free bets for every point that he scores in one of their playoff games. Um, and you have to have a very small bet on that. Um, there's a few other things, but that will be the main main thing that we offer. So if he goes off for another 50-point game, you can turn a dollar into 50 very easily. That's awesome. Ron, I appreciate you joining me here on the podcast and explaining a little bit about yourself and PointsBet because I know Pacer fans are going to see a lot more from your company here in the future. So thanks for the time. Scott, appreciate it. Thanks for your time as well. And hopefully the Pacers have a deep playoff run. 